Welcome to Swift Coaches Academy, a podcast dedicated to bringing exercise and health professionals the uncensored truth behind what it really takes to succeed in the health industry with me, your host, Xenia Wood. As an accredited exercise physiologist and the founder of Swift Coaches Academy with almost a decade of experience, I'm on a mission to transform the lives of ambitious health professionals who want more and are ready to take action to create incredible impact and financial freedom. So join me as I speak candidly with industry leaders about the struggles and successes from within the trenches through thought-provoking conversations. In this episode, we have Xenia's conversation with fellow accredited exercise physiologist and head of exercise rehab at Swift Movement Academy, David Adamo. Get ready for a captivating conversation as Xenia and David delve into the topic of muscle function versus muscle action and provide valuable insights and practical tips. If you're a health professional or exercise coach, don't miss a moment of this episode. Back again, David, ready for another educational podcast. How are you feeling? Yeah, good, good. Been looking forward to it. Um, yeah, everything's going well. Knees feeling better, which is good. So, yeah, back into it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so we are going to talk about muscle function versus action today. We alluded to this a little bit uh, in our last education podcast together, and today we're going to dive in a little bit deeper onto what this means. We've had some questions and people asking us about, you know, function versus action, and can you give more examples? So here it is. Um, do you want to kick us off with, again, just defining muscle function versus action, and then maybe we can talk about this in terms of like hip stability, glute med, things like that. Yeah, perfect. So, uh, we've got muscle action. Muscle action is when a muscle performs a certain movement. Um, so it is, you know, either externally rotating, internally rotating, abducting, flexing, that's muscle action. Um, the function of a muscle is when, when it's resisting movement. Okay. So there's external forces. Uh, it's more of an isometric contraction most of the time. Um, and it's, it's helping to stabilize, you know, the, the bone or joint that it's crossing. Uh, so that's more the muscle function. Perfect. Awesome. And so if we look at this in terms of the hip and people often, you know, jump to glute med, even though glute med actually does exactly the same thing. Um, yeah. However, we talk about, you know, the glute med being a primary um, stabilizer of the hip. And a lot of people tend to jump and gravitate towards this, especially as like a rehab exercise. Um but the problem I see is that they're performing the muscle action, not the muscle function. So do you want to maybe give an example of, of each of these for everyone um, and and why we need to be incorporating, I guess, the function side of things? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the best way to always describe these things is with a case study. Um, so we we had somebody come in the other the other week and in our testing experience, our rehab reset testing experience. Um we had a look at their hip abduction strength and hip adduction, you know, all, all around the hip joint to test the muscles. Um, and he was fucking strong. Um, he was strong in all the different movements, right? But still had, you know, a bit of hip, bit of knee pain, bit of low back pain, um, but, you know, looking at the muscles as individuals, they were all super strong, um, you know, stronger than what we see in most. But then when we got him doing more hip stability tests, you could see it was just all falling apart. Mm. Um, and so and, what, and, just for everyone who's yeah. listening, what's the stability test? What are you doing? So what we, what my favorite go-to is and one that I learned at Swift is the Flamingo, the all famous Swiss ball Flamingo. Um, so just quickly so, on that, I have to tell this story. Um, 
You know that I tried to call it the Xenia. Did you know that? No. <laughs> I was so I was working, yeah. So I was working as a subcontractor and I was like, no, 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 this is the way it needs to be done. And I, I modified it, I changed a few things, and I was like, it's called the Xenia. And everyone just looked at me and laughed. And I was like, fuck. All right, well, I need to give it a new name. And <laughs> people were calling it like the single leg sprinter spitball wall squat and I was like fuck that no one's gonna remember yeah. that it's too long I'm not writing that down I was like just call it the Xenia it'll be easy <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but then I actually recoined the, the term as the flamingo I don't know how far past Brisbane it's extended but I know that you know there were like 50 of us who worked at this place together and everyone started calling it the flamingo so you know we're, yeah, we're trying to put on. it out there so if anyone else yeah. Um, just Google the Flamingo Swift Movement Academy. It'll come up on, on YouTube. We, we might have um, to put the link in the bio to the show notes of yeah, this we of, will. about the yeah. way we perform it um, because people will definitely <laughs> be talking about. So it is like a single it. leg um, Swiss ball against a wall. We typically put the ball on the knee, not on the hip because we're trying to stabilize the hip. You don't want people to sort of sag and like fall into the ball with their hip. So the idea is to stabilize the pelvis and the hip. Um, yeah. And so, so basically you're saying that, that this client that we had who went through their testing, um, really, really strong muscle action, but the actual function of their muscle was lacking. And, you know, it's important to actually be able to see and test both of these things um, so that we're not just looking at one piece of data and going, oh, but they're really strong. Why, yeah. you know, because stability and strength, whilst correlated are really on a continuum right stability if 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 you're really really stable um then you can produce a lot of force but if you're less stable then we're focusing more on you know skill and and things like that yeah. so um flamingo being our, our stability test or you know even our single leg um you know lower body um y balance test or, or things like that um and then we test strength through, um, should probably mention, test strength through the accent strength by numbers force plates. Um, and they have a pull it, a push it, and some force plates that are kind of like weight plates for people um, to, to stand on. And, and when they produce force, we can see how much force is going through each leg and things like that. Really, really cool, high-tech, advanced, world-class equipment that we've invested in. Um, and that way we're getting objective data too. So, you know, you can you get most most traditional um, health professionals who are like, who will, you know, resist against their hand and be like, oh, this one feels stronger. And it's like, okay, but did you push harder? Like how do I know week on yeah. week that yeah. you haven't pushed harder? Because I don't remember what happened three weeks ago when I came in. Like this really takes the um, human error out of it uh, yeah. and provides some objective data, which is critical for, not just insights, but improving performance and making sure that our programs are working. So a little bit of a tangent on how we run things. Um, so if we come back to glute med or hip abduction rather, really strong, Flamingo really sucked. Um, but what do most people do in terms of like if someone gets told their glute med is weak? Like what's, what's the thing that you hear that everyone, all the clients are doing, uh, being told from other health professionals or Google searching? It's got to be the, the traditional crab walk. Has to be. That <laughs> or, or like or a some, seated some clam sort of or something. Yeah, there's a mini bed involved for sure. Um, yeah. And get the burn. Why do we, why do we not, um, it's not our favourite go-to um, to use a mini bed? 
same as what we've been talking about. That's, you know, you use a mini band, you're working more the, the action of the muscle. Um, you know, with the clam, you're going into more external rotation. With the side-lying leg lift, you're going into more abduction, which is, you know, fine if you're working the muscle for working that specific muscle and its action. But when it comes to the stability and the function of the muscle, it's not doing much for it at all. Mm. It's not and the other much- thing same with why therabands aren't our first choice i get if you're home gymming it like it might be the option that you have but if you've got access to a cable machine then you can have relatively constant tension and this gets into a little bit more of the biomechanics but you know it's not hard to understand that when you pull a band the further you pull the harder it gets and so it's hardest in your most lengthened position if you're doing let's say hip abduction probably not going to get to your most lengthened position because the band stops you before that and so you're most in a length yeah. Most oh. shortened position, yeah. Oh, yeah, the muscles in the most shortened position. Yeah, yeah sorry. I mean the I'm movement you're at, yeah. like the extent yeah. of, yeah, no, good good pickup. Um, but with that, it's like uh, we know that our muscles are strongest in their mid-range, and so we're forcing them to their end range, whether shortened or lengthened, um, in this case shortened, like you said, and that's where it's hardest for our muscles, and you're also adding the most resistance. Mm. So it's like a double whammy that's not helping us at all. Whereas when we can use a cable, it's not exact because you have to look at moment arms and it's going to change the more you you abduct or things like that. However, if you're, let's say, performing a single leg hip abduction exercise, you know, if you go from, if you're standing right beside the cable, um, you know, you hold on with your right arm, your right leg is planted on the floor and, and the cable ankle braces around your left ankle and then you abduct away you're going to get i don't know 30 degrees with very very similar tension um on on that abduction but the benefit of that is not only do you train the action on one side but the other leg is stabilizing right like you lay on the ground this is why pilates is is a great first step for people or an integrated thing if you need that however it can't be the only thing that you're doing like it can't mm. be the only thing that you are doing because you need to get up and walk and function in standing positions. And, you know, obviously Pilates has come a long way from just being on a mat. And I understand there's reformers and there's resistance and things like that. Um, but if we look at, you know, traditional mat work, Pilates or, or booty band based exercises, it is quite limited in what it can do, especially if someone's trying to return to performance. It's like, where's the integration piece? Um, and are we yeah. getting them up and standing? And if your Pilates is doing that, then that's fucking awesome. But I don't see it happening often enough. Yeah. Yeah. And especially in like prehab or warm up programs as well, um, you know, like clams and, and all these sorts of booty burning exercises before your, you know, big compound lifts of squats and deadlifts and stuff. And it's like, well, you know, you're just getting a little bit of, you could argue you're getting a little bit of blood flow through the muscle and a little bit of, you know, heat to the muscle to get it warmed up in a way. But when we're looking at lifting these crazy amounts of loads, we want to be stable. You said before that you you produce the most force when you're the most stable, right? You, you're not going to be able to jump super high off a BOSU ball, but you're going to be able to jump super high off a floor when it's nice and stable. So the same thing applies. It's like, let's start looking at taking away these, you know, mini band warm-up exercises in prehab work um, or warm-up stuff. And let's actually get that the function of muscles working. Um and and you're gonna have much better outcomes, I think, with your training. 
Absolutely. I was listening to Brecken Traris, who's the glute guy, um, who yeah. I've actually had the pleasure of meeting in person and spent mm. like a couple of days with. It was fucking incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is when it was in San Diego. It's in Vegas now. Um, yeah. but he's a, he's an incredibly knowledgeable dude, um, super smart, super down to earth. And the cool thing is that he puts out some really cool stuff. I was listening to some on YouTube from a couple of years back and he was talking about like being the glute guy, you would assume he'd be all over booty bands, but he's yeah. like, no, just fucking do full range lunges and squats as your warm up mm. and just move your entire body. That's and the, and he says that because he gives you like fucking 20 literature reviews of research yeah. papers of randomized control trials because he's such a nerd. And he's like, the research says it's better. And I'm just like, thank God that there is someone out there who's actually giving yeah. us research-based information on glutes that's where all of the booty band industry sort of came from. And he's like, nah, all my girls are squatting full depth and doing high box step-ups with cables and, you know, hip thrusting full range of motion. And sure, they'll have a fucking finisher if they feel like they want their glutes to feel sore when they walk out of there. But yeah, I'm yeah, telling them sure. that it's... That's not actually, that's not going to be the thing that gets them the results because the, that's not going to, you know, work it through its full range. So, you know, I think obviously he really understands the function and the action and being able to integrate those and something that is functional serves its purpose. Um, yeah. And so the function can be to, you know, be strong or, or to move through range. Um, but I guess our definition of muscle function is what is its role when it's isometrically contracting, like you said at the start? And I think um, thinking about it that way can really help to differentiate what you're trying to do, right? Big time, big time. Like, you know, with that client that came in super strong on all the movements individually, but then, you know, bring them together, integrating them. And as, as a footballer, you know, you, you're on one leg most of the time. You're you're kicking off one leg, you're sprinting off one leg, you're Ending on one leg most of the time. And it's like, these are the positions where you want to be the most stable. So it doesn't matter how strong you are in each individual one, you want to make sure they're all working as a unit. Um, and that's where you're going to get the best, the best performance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this one's talked about a, a reasonable amount, and I think some people will be pretty aware of it, but I think it's it's relevant to go back over and maybe go a little deeper into the function versus the action of our core. Because most people are like, I want to train my core or get stronger in my core. And it's mm. like, well, what do you mean by that? Right. Because um, we need to articulate the goals of our clients and, and really understand their definition. Cause it could be, I want to be leaner. And it's like, well, okay, maybe look at your nutrition first. Um, or yeah, maybe yeah. it's, I want to, you know, like some of our football players, it's like, I feel unstable on my, like, or unsteady. And I feel like someone can knock me and I'm, I'm not able to yeah. resist that. So um, let's go through core function versus action. Yeah. Um, to keep it real simple, you've got the action. Okay. You've got to, all the muscles of the trunk um, is essentially your core. Um, but if we think more, you know, TA, rectus abdominis, internal, external obliques. Uh, we've got flexion of the trunk. We've got lateral flexion of the trunk both ways. We've got uh, rotation of the trunk both ways. And then we've got spinal uh, extension, right? Which which not a lot of people categorize as the core, but, but it is. But if we you just acknowledge that If you're that talking one, about before, like, you know, the posterior core, meaning like your exactly. rectus and, and your QL yeah. and things like that. Yeah. 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 Um, 
And then we have the function, which <laughs> everything is always somewhat, you know, a little bit more confusing where this is, you just put an anti in front of it and it, and it's the function. You've got anti-extension, you've got anti-rotation and you've got anti-lateral flexion. And then, we're, and then we're talking about the function of the core. So if we have our core action examples, these ones should be super easy. Um, so the action of our core in terms of flexion is going to come from things like crunches, right? Um, traditional exercises for our core. Lateral flexion would be things like, I don't know, like ankle taps um, or, you know, holding a weight plate. Again, there's some challenges with that in terms of biomechanics, but, you know, you, you will get a little bit of resisted lateral flexion if we hold the weight in the opposite hand. So we're, we're going against. Um, so let's say I'm holding the weight in my right hand. I'm laterally flexing to my left to crunch against that weight or even putting a cable um, pegged right at the very bottom and then resisting that way um, or rotation. So Russian twists or bicycle crunches or whatever. Those are going to be our core actions. Do you want to run us, Dave, through our core functions? So we've got anti-extension, lateral, anti-lateral flexion, and anti-rotation. Yeah, of course. So uh, for your anti-extension, you've got your plank um, or your traditional plank or, or dead bug type of movement. Um, for your anti-lateral flexion, you've got your side plank. That's probably the easiest to go to um, for anti-lateral flexion. Uh, and then you've got your last one, which is anti-rotation. And that's some sort of pal-off press. Um, they're, they're quite big, you know, cable or banded and things like that. So the function, we're resisting the movement awesome. that wants that. Yeah, awesome. Easy, easy. Uh, and so why would I, like, if we're talking about now, okay, well, that's just six different things you've given me action and function to integrate into a program. Um, do you program this in terms of, I need to fit everything into every program or do you go like, okay, this person needs to focus on function only or action only, or how are you doing that with our clients at the moment? Yeah. So it's, again, depends on the client that, that lovely depending word um it depends on clients so i i'll admit you know a lot of the time i you'd always hear about the function the function or the anti-movements you know and just prescribing so much anti-movements but when you especially with the population we look at most of the time you know a lot of sedentary people a lot of people who aren't getting much movement it's like why are we wanting to you know reinforce being stuck in those positions through doing anti or, or the function of the core um, when some, like that's what I've turned to lately as well is people that are, that aren't moving a lot actually get better results with, you know, low back pain and things like that. When we prescribe them more of the action movements mm. of the core. And that's what I've found anecdotally right at the moment with myself and my clients is that, you know, you get somebody low back pain. Okay. Oh, we need to strengthen the core in its function, right? Which everybody seems to know when it comes to the shoulder and the hip, not so much, but when it comes to the core, we all know about it because it's your traditional plank holds and things like that. And you give them, I mean, you don't see them getting better, you know, and I understand that that's a variety of factors, but um, at the end of the day, you start giving them more gentle movements like crunches and things like that, which, you know, for, for a period of time, I felt started to become a little frowned upon when you were training core, mm. um, you know, it was like, oh, you're not doing a hold or you're not doing a stabilizing exercise. Um, 
Exactly. Content, context dependent, right? You've got those people, but then on the other hand, you might have sports athletes where you do want to train the function, right? You have a, a 80 kilo rugby player coming up against the, you know, 120 kilo forward, you're going to want them to have a little bit more uh, ability to resist forces, right? So that's where we come into the function and the anti-movements. We want them to, you know, train quite strong positions of those so they're more robust and resilient on the field. When it comes back to your question about programming, no, I don't believe you need to have them all in at once because fucking that could be a whole day of just going and training, flexion, rotation that and then the antis of it so i don't think so um but what i love is the fact that these are things that can be integrated to other exercises as well right let's let's take a lunge or a split squat for an example hold a heavy ass weight on one side and you're performing anti-lateral flexion through the whole movement yeah or right? even things That's... like farmers walks and, yeah, and yeah, yeah, you know suitcase yeah. carries or single arm carries and things yeah. like that and you see people and they just hold to one side and they're flopped over and you're like can you just the goal is to be straight right so that we can actually yeah. like yeah carrying the weight is part of the task but if you want anti-lateral flexion or even anti-rotation that you're going to get from the you know the the slight um, movement of the weight that's in the hand as you're walking it's like let's actually get you to to resist it's going to feel weird like you're sort of almost falling into the weight but um you actually look at yourself in a mirror and you, you'd be upright if you're using a heavy enough load to yeah. resist that so um yeah i think that's that's a great point like let's integrate these into other exercises so we're not trying to you know give clients 700 exercises to complete in a week uh and also on the topic of um, you know, not training every single thing every single week or even every single programming block. But um, you know, you said that we we train the anti movements particularly in athletes, and then the 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 muscle actions in our in our rehab or our less uh, our more sedentary clients. Um, and that might be initially right, but then remembering that you know if. Jane, who's 85, is trying to get up the stairs and, yeah. you know, something's going to throw her off or whatever. And she yeah. needs yeah. to also have those bracing movements. I know that you prescribe this, but just, I guess, to clarify, it's like, it's not as if that's a blanket rule of like, we only do resisting forces or or muscle function with athletes mm. and only do muscle action with our um, more sedentary clients, there is integration, absolutely. And, you know, looking at how do we slowly start to integrate the muscle function for these people who have been moving less, but maybe understanding that their first point of call is not resisted forces and holding positions because they just need to generally expend more energy and move more and, and yeah. you know, create a bigger vocab of of movement before they start to resist some of those forces. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally, totally understand and totally, totally on board with you with that one. Um, there's no, yeah, everybody should be doing all of them in a way, right? Not all at once, but that's where the the beauty of phases come into play with programming. Um, you might, you know, have a phase where you're focusing on the resisting and the function of the core and then a phase of, of not, or they can be integrated as well, right? Uh, if you look at the movements we do from the day, the, the moment we get out of bed to the moment we get into bed at night, they're consisting of all of those. We're resisting forces and we're producing movement through, you know, every movement that we do each day. So you can't go wrong if you've got a mixture of them in your program. Let's let's put it that way. And also remembering that the gym is to prepare you for life. 
Um, not the other way around. We're not trying to prepare for the gym unless you're a gym or, or, you know, a barbell sport athlete. And so if you are moving more in your daily life, like athletes do, you probably need to learn how to resist. And if you are moving less, you probably need how, need to learn how to move. So, um, you know, I think that's probably a great point to sort of finish up on. Um, but let's go back to our actionable or our take home for today. I reckon it's got to be about, um, just bringing awareness to muscle function and action. What do you reckon? Yeah, big time, big time, especially if you are um, listening to this as a, you know, PT or EP or physio, whatever it is, um, a takeaway is they your client in front of you might be strong as in these movements, right? But let's look at them integrated. Let's look at the function of these muscles uh, and you, you can start to see some patterns um, and then it gives you a bit of guidance as to where to go with your initial programming or initial prescription or whatever it may be. And um, it opens up a whole new world as opposed to, hey, let's go strengthen your glute meat, right? What, yeah. what does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. Are we strengthening the function or the action? Exactly. <laughs> let's, so let's different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and hey, you know, I think it's probably important also to mention that uh, coming up pretty soon, we have our uh anatomy mastery course which i'm so stoked for uh anatomy mastery for exercise professionals eight weeks of really nailing anatomy integrating that into these you know the function the action and and understanding anatomy and how it relates to exercise prescription specifically um i haven't heard of anything out there like this before so i believe this is you know realistically a world first where we're actually taking anatomy and integrating it into exercise for exercise professionals or anyone who uses exercise as part of their treatment so allied health professionals too um and making sure that you can actually create incredible programs whilst being able to not only understand and um, articulate the anatomy, but get great results with clients. So I'm so keen for that. Yeah, me too. I'm going to hop in on that too. (laughs) All right. Uh, I will talk to you next time. Awesome. See you. Have a good day. See ya. If you enjoyed this episode, it'd honestly mean the world to us if you could share it with a friend or on your socials, follow and leave a quick review so that we can bring you more real, raw and uncensored stories from industry leaders. We also love hearing your feedback. So please DM us on Instagram at Swift Coaches Academy if you have suggestions for future guests or topics. Until next time and in whatever you do, move swiftly.